Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You are entering the news vault from KCBS Radio. Flames and the smoke. I have a tape recorder in my hand. Now nobody would think of doing that. The newsmen were blocking the door. It worked for a couple of seconds. Bringing the sounds of history back to life. Here is your host, Stan Bunger. And you know, any archival project like this owes a debt of gratitude to people who thought to save things. And in this case, Frank Knight, my late colleague from KCBS. Frank had a long career at KCBS and frankly was a bit of a pack rat. Frank saved audio tape of all kinds. In this case, it's a piece of his own work. What we have here is an interview done in 1968, a few months after KCBS launched the all-news format. And Frank Knight, in this segment, is interviewing Roy Cohn. Now, there's a name from the past. Roy Cohn was uh, less than 20 years removed in 1968 from his roles in the Julius and Ethel Rosenberg case, the Army McCarthy hearings. He was working with clients who eventually would include names like Aristotle Onassis, and Cardinal Francis Spellman, and George Steinbrenner, and John Gotti and Carmine Galante, the mobsters, and eventually a man named Donald Trump, who Cohn would meet about five years after this interview was done. Roy Cohn, of course, a legend and not always well thought of in the world of the law. His backstory remarkable. He was born in New York in 1927, had a law degree by the time he was 20, and just four years later, in his mid-20s, was a Justice Department lawyer helping to prosecute Ethel and Julius Rosenberg. They were convicted and executed in a nuclear secrets espionage case. Cohn won a number of other convictions against defendants accused of having communist connections. And that led him to be recommended by J. Edgar Hoover, the FBI director, to a senator who planned a series of hearings to root out communists in the federal government. That would be Senator Joseph McCarthy, the Republican from Wisconsin, and it would be a number of years of headline coverage of those McCarthy hearings. Eventually, Cohn, still at McCarthy's side, when McCarthy probably went too far in the 1954 investigations of U.S. Army figures. When those Army McCarthy hearings fell apart dramatically, McCarthy was censured by the full Senate. But Cohn was able to get out of the whole thing, move on to take up private practice in New York. It was again in 1973 when he met Donald Trump. And later, Cohn defended Trump and his father, Fred, against charges that they had systematically excluded black and Hispanics from their housing projects, a case that was eventually settled with no admission of guilt. Cohn, of course, known for his take-no-prisoners tactics, was investigated by federal authorities for witness tampering and perjury, among other things, and eventually, in the mid-'80s, was disbarred by a branch of the New York State Supreme Court Appellate Division for unethical and unprofessional conduct. All of that was in the future. Roy Cohn had a new book out, was touring ahead of that book in 1968 when he sat down for the interview you're about to hear with Frank Knight. What's lost to history is whether this interview was aired in its entirety on KCBS or whether it was used for excerpts for air broadcast. 
Well, Mr. Cohen, I understand you've written a new book about the McCarthy era. I wonder if you could uh, tell us something about that initially, sir. About the book? Yes. Oh, it was uh, pain in the neck writing, and I don't know how much good it'll do, but I guess it uh, gives a little bit of the other side. We've spent about 14 years reading uh, what about what a rogue McCarthy was, and uh, I thought there ought to be at least one piece of literature, if it be that, uh, that told the other side of the story. Where was the pain in neck involved? Oh, uh, writing, a book is, neck. <laughs> uh, writing a book is, uh, is sort of tedious. It's been about 15 years now since the late senator conducted his uh, Senate subcommittee investigations of communist infiltrations into various branches of government, including the Army. What lasting impact, if any, uh, do you think the hearings have had on the government, both positively and negatively? Well, I think the basic impact that Senator McCarthy and the hearings associated with him had was not in the exposure of an individual communist or anything like that, but was in the general proposition of alerting the nation to the menace of communism, what it was, uh, how far it had gone here and how far it had gone throughout the world, something which uh, uh, we hadn't had too much of an education until he came along. Now, the senator has often been maligned since his death. Uh, many people have accused him of conducting witch hunts and mm -hmm. what have you uh, to further his own uh, political career. How would you answer these charges? Well, I don't think uh, what he did could possibly have furthered his political career. He was in the United States Senate before this issue was ever taken up by him, and to take up an issue as explosive as this, which can make you only enemies, and so far as the political bosses and the behind-the-scenes uh, powers in Washington who like everyone to belong to the club and not ruffle any feathers. I've never understood why people thought for a minute that this could uh, help a, a senator who was politically ambitious. It was the exact opposite. I think the senators who have taken this, the strong, uncompromising stand uh, against communism and toughness about communism have been those who are willing to put country ahead of political career. Up to more contemporary times, our own uh, California Superintendent of Public Instruction, Mr. Rafferty, who is now running for the state Senate, has often been compared with Senator McCarthy in his own zeal to rid the state and particularly uh, the school system of subversive elements. Uh, could you perhaps draw a parallel between the two men? I don't know if you've been well, following uh, Mr. Rafferty's career. Well, I tell you, I really uh, didn't know too much about uh, Mr. Rafferty or his career until I saw that the... Uh, ultra-liberal press back east suddenly started becoming very much alarmed about him and doing a smear job against him. And I figured when the New York Times and papers like that back in New York, which I suppose aren't supposed to dictate to the people of California, suddenly got all excited about uh, Dr. Rafferty, I thought there must be something to the man and something good to the man. I read the biography uh, of him in the Sunday Times a few weeks ago, and of course it was a complete smear job. But coming out of it seemed to be the story of uh, a man who was nowhere as near as extreme as he's been portrayed to be, a man who, instead of paying lip service to the civil rights movement, like uh, a lot of the people in my own party, which is Democratic, have done, has actually performed for that movement by placing in very high positions under his jurisdiction Negroes, and uh, a man who has stood uncompromisingly for a clean education for children and for American principles and ideals, and uh, apparently he's a man to, to be well thought of, and I uh, know him 
more by the nature of his enemies back east than I do any other way. Incidentally, you just missed Mr. Rafferty. He left our studios about uh, 20 minutes ago. Is that a fact? Well, <laughs> maybe I'll meet him in Washington sometime. <laughs> now, Senator McCarthy was so um, fervently opposed to communism, especially the effects of the form of government. Uh, was he much of a student on the subject? No. As I say in the book, Miss um, Knight, he... Uh, uh, he was really not much of a student on the subject. Uh, I don't know that Joe McCarthy was too much of a student about anything. He was more of a man of action than a man of uh, uh, a man of uh, study. He got this communist package and hadn't been involved in it before. And uh, when he got it, it alarmed him, and he took it up as a crusade. But before it came to him, he really had not done too much about it. At the time, uh, Joseph Welsh, uh, who was hired as a, an attorney by the Army uh, to defend their own cause, uh, left the hearings uh, somewhat of a hero, and uh, Mr. McCarthy was uh, pretty badly scarred. Uh, how would you view their images uh, today? Well, um, Mr. Welch, of course, was I liked him. He was a very dramatic uh, individual. He taught me a lot. I learned a lot by watching him. I think people mistook his uh, grandstand plays, which he did very effectively, as some kind of depth of feeling, which I'm sure he had, of which I'm sure he had absolutely none for the cause which he was defending. In fact, he virtually told me that on a couple of occasions when we talked about it. But I admired him as an actor. So did Otto Preminger. He hired him for the movies right mm -hmm. after the hearings. As far as uh, Senator McCarthy uh, was concerned, Let's face it, Senator McCarthy had a very poor television image. He came across with that five o'clock shadow, and during the Army McCarthy hearings, he was, um, uh, he, he acted tense, and uh, of course, uh, he had been under tr tremendous pressure, and uh, perhaps it's a poor thing that we judge people so much by the way they can project themselves rather than by substance. I remember particularly the political cartoonists. Uh, Herb Block, uh, probably. Yeah. Uh, uh, made hay with the five sure. o'clock shadow. <laughs> sure. How would you compare communist infiltration into uh, various forms of government during the McCarthy era with the uh, present time? I, I'd have to answer, answer you this way. I don't want to make this as long as Humphrey. It could be. Um, you can't view communist infiltration alone. You have to view communist infiltration here uh, in the light of the worldwide communist movement, because the communists inside this country, uh, be they small in number, are the advance guard of the worldwide communist movement. The number of communists in the Soviet Union and Russia at the time of the communist revolution was very small, numerically. And you have the same situation here. So you have to view it as a totality. Uh, not, a, not how is the advance guard in the United States doing, but how is the home office doing throughout the world. Insofar as the United States, first of all, um, I think they've been doing rather well lately. The part they've played in these riots and exhibitions of lawlessness, and I don't say they would have happened with, uh, uh, I don't, wouldn't have happened if there weren't communists around, but I certainly do say the communists have participated in them, have used them to great advantage. I mean, you take Berkeley or something like that, you might think that's a, uh, a local situation, but uh, it isn't. Some things that happen there are are propelled all around the world as a demonstration of uh, something wrong with American democracy, and uh, uh, we we suffer as a result of these um, uh, histrionics, which t which take place. 
Well, Senator McCarthy was certainly a unique personality. Do you think there will ever be anyone to replace him, or is there an individual right now who is a Joseph McCarthy? I don't know. I guess no one individual is uh, ever replaced historically or uh, doubled. I don't think there has been anybody quite like Senator McCarthy. He had that quality of guts and courage, which is very rarely found anywhere and is almost never found in Washington. And I haven't noticed anybody who's really come up to his standard insofar as that's concerned. There have been a lot of people who have been very effectively fighting communism in Congress and uh, out of Congress, however. And of course, I'd have to say that I think this year, and the election will tell the story, uh, has seen an, a pretty widespread trend throughout the entire nation, uh, which trend goes in favor of what we might call uh, a return to basic American principles of uh, law and order and fighting things out among ourselves in a peaceful and peaceable way and against the, uh, uh, the dirt and the demonstrations and the draft card burnings and the things which have been played up so much, but which I think the majority of Americans feel do not represent their views. You think, uh, looking back at past history, uh, Mr. Cohn, uh, your own activities with Mr. McCarthy has had any uh, effect on, on your, your present uh, career? Today. Yes, I think it definitely prevented me from uh, being elected a Justice of the Peace in overwhelmingly Democratic Bronx County. But um, no, seriously, I think that uh, naturally the exposure which I got on nationwide television had to have an effect. It, uh, I would be less than candid if I didn't say it did help my law practice, certainly. And um, uh, it uh, just makes a difference between the luxury of not being known and the sometimes trivial trials tribulations of, uh, of being known, but uh, I believed in what I did, and uh, I don't say everything was perfect or the way it should have been, but I think the cause was a good one, and uh, I don't have any regrets in looking back. Uh, you're speaking tonight on business ethics at uh, the University of Santa Clara. Would you care to delve into that? Yeah, I don't know. I've lately, I don't get the opportunity to speak too often. I'm usually too busy, and they've been coming up with some pretty wild topics for me uh, lately, which take me out of my own area to the point that I have to make notes and do research, and I find it considerably disconcerting. I don't know why they would want me as a lawyer to talk about business ethics. The only thing I can think of is they must know about my paid bill file to uh, <laughs> consultants and people and businessmen on how to fight the SEC and have concluded that even though I don't hold a business degree, I've had a pretty expensive education in business. Would you say it's uh, more difficult or easier today to make a fortune in business and finance? I don't think anyone can make a fortune in anything today, really. You work, uh, if you make any kind of money, I say some people can, I suppose, but if you make any kind of money, you, you keep 20% and 80% goes to the giveaway programs. So I don't think the America that once uh, laid out the red carpet for individual opportunity and individual initiative is too much more. Now, I believe as strongly as anyone else, I suppose, in social progress, uh, but I wish it would be coupled with having the benefits go to those who really need them and not those who are just too lazy uh, to work or who would rather make speeches about how they're being persecuted and can't get a job instead of trying to get one and doing a good day's work. In other words, I'm perfectly willing to work and pay taxes and have part of those taxes and have those taxes go mm -hmm. to help the sick and the poor and the needy and those who can't help themselves. 
but when you get into to the point we're in today where the fashion is to go down and pick up the employment check instead of doing a good day's work, uh, it sort of seems to me to destroy the incentive of people who are paying these uh, 80 cents out of each dollar in taxes for these reasons. Would you agree to some that say that uh, when it comes to finances, friendship and morality should go completely out the window? Well, yes and no. Uh, I, I wouldn't go quite that far. I would say that, um, I would say that uh, we in this country have a basic, we are willing to be our brother's keeper. That's why we're in Vietnam. That's why we fought Hitler, because we don't believe that our responsibility ends in our own home or our own living room or anything like that. We have traditionally been a, a country and a people who are willing to help other people and help the cause of freedom and help people who are less fortunate than we are. And I have no quarrel with that kind of largesse, which has, or maybe even duty, which has characterized America as against so many other places in the world. Now, I'd like to ask a couple of questions which might smack of something personal, but uh, what were exactly the circumstances surrounding uh, the controversy between you and the Lionel Corporation? Uh, there wasn't too much of a controversy about that. That was one of my first business uh, ventures, and um, uh, the only controversy was I always have a controversy with any government agency with mm -hmm. which I ever deal. I've had con I have constant controversies with the SEC. I've had ten special agents of internal revenue assigned to trying to get something uh, on me for, I guess, uh, six years now. Uh, I've gone through two criminal trials, and uh, um, I bring to the law a very wide perspe perspective, having been a prosecutor, a chief counsel for an investigating committee, uh, a lawyer, a, a law teacher, and a witness, and then finally a defendant. So I'm pretty well used to the fact that uh, since the days when I left Washington and tried to fight communism, I'm going to have a series of enemies who are going to be following me around if I be in law, if I be in business, if I write a book, if I uh, wash uh, windows or anything else I do, and uh, I just hope they'll never bother me any more than they have up so to now, because they really don't. I take it you feel that uh, some of this controversy that does surround you uh, goes right back to the McCarthy era. Oh, sure. I, I, I would dare say if I kept my mouth shut, which might not have been a bad idea, I guess some people would think uh, I wouldn't be the subject of any controversy uh, at all. I think controversy usually attends people who try to do something. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Cohen, for your time, sir. Thanks okay, a lot. Tonight, Clarby. Remember to follow the News Vault from KCBS Radio on social media. On Facebook, we're at News Vault Podcast. On Twitter, find us at News Vault SF. On Instagram, we're at News Vault. Until our next episode, you are leaving the News Vault from KCBS Radio. Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.